Welcome to the Millionaire Next Door podcast with Robert Curtis, CFP, accredited investment fiduciary from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. In this podcast, we help successful wealth accumulators like you looking to transition to a work-optional lifestyle by helping you build strategies for growing and maintaining your wealth. Robert draws from years of experience and fiduciary responsibility and interviews guest experts to help you build reliable strategies to grow and maintain your wealth. Now, on to the show. Well, good good morning, everyone, and welcome to the uh, Millionaire Next Door podcast. And today we have a repeat uh, guest with us, Sam Miller. He's the director of research at Signature Estate and Investment Advisors, SEIA, which is my firm. And we are going to talk about a really interesting topic called direct indexing. This is probably new to most folks. It's somewhat cutting edge, but it's it's really an evolution, and it's something we're embracing, and we wanted to get people familiar with the concept. So, um, Sam, tell us about direct indexing, You know what it is, why we're embracing it as a strategy for clients, how you see it being used, et cetera. Absolutely, and, and great to be back with you here today, Rob. And if I was to summarize direct indexing, I would say it, it's at the intersection of technology and investing, which is enabling investors to build stronger portfolios ultimately. So there's been a, an evolution in our industry. And um, I, I would say this sort of a concept isn't necessarily new. It's been around for a while but it's it's definitely changed over the course of time and there's been a renewed interest because uh, it's resonating with a lot of people. So if you go back to all the way back to 2020, there were some some consolidation in the industry. BlackRock, which is the big name out there, they acquired a shop called Aperio. Morgan Stanley uh, acquired Eaton Vance, which owns a group called Parametric. JP Morgan bought a group called 55 IP. There were all these different headlines that we in the wealth management community noticed a lot of developments and it seemed like an arms race. Everyone was, you know, uh, seeking to get the the strongest technology to be able to build these sorts of portfolios. So we saw that and we've certainly been paying attention and we've, we've been using these strategies even before then, but it's interesting to note the, the big names in the asset management community are in, investing more and more in this space. There's actually a quote from uh, a group called O'Shaughnessy Asset Management recently, and they they think that by 2025, most financial advisors will use web-based software to create and manage these sorts of portfolios for their clients. So that's not that far away. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think you know there, it's possible. There's a, a long way to go to get there, but ultimately, what is it? It's you know, direct indexing is a a methodology that allows an investor to essentially personalize and customize their portfolio to a greater extent than ever. And there's a lot of different use cases out there. Step one in the process is figuring out what your North star is from an investment perspective. You want to figure out if you want to track the S and P 500 or the Russell 3000, or maybe a global index or a global benchmark like the MSCI ACQUI. That's step one. And in many instances, we can build out portfolios with mutual funds and ETFs. That's a 
certainly a, a, an acceptable way to go about building portfolios. But what these direct indexing providers do is actually break those vehicles up and own the underlying stocks instead of using a fund. So instead of maybe owning the S&P 500 ETF, you would own close to 500 unique stocks in your account, or maybe a subset of that if, if you can get the same amount of diversification with 200 or 300. And, and the question is, why do you do that? The The reason is, in, in many of these instances, by breaking out, breaking it up into the component parts and the component stocks, you can get some tax benefits. So as the market goes up and down, as financials go down in recent days and technology stocks go up and down, the manager and the technology can take advantage of those fluctuations in the market by tax loss harvesting very aggressively and creating essentially an, an economic asset for you when you go out and and do your taxes. So that's one of the reasons that we break it up into the individual stocks instead of owning mutual funds and ETFs. That also allows investors what we call, you know, custom customization at scales. You can apply ESG preferences, which is something we talked about on a, a previous podcast. Let's say you're morally opposed to certain companies and you say, I never want to own XYZ company in my portfolio because I don't really believe that what they're doing is a positive for the environment or for society. It's really easy to exclude that sort of a, a company by name or by style from the portfolio. Uh, you can also apply factor preferences if you wanted to overweight a certain, certain style like value stocks or dividend stocks if you're trying to drive a higher degree of, uh, of, of income in the portfolio. So it allows you to, to really customize the portfolio to a, a greater extent than than most investors have been able to historically. Um, and then the the costs have really come down a lot over the course of time where if it if it costed you know half a percent to one percent ten years ago, those numbers have been cut in half um, in recent years here. So it's much more affordable to access. So those are some of the kind of the, the why behind it. To get into some of the use cases to a greater extent, um, we got the the proactive tax loss harvesting that I mentioned. You know, many people will start thinking about tax loss harvesting in, in December, right before year end, and they miss out on a lot of opportunities intra-year as the markets go up and go down. So by applying this technology, you can access more proactive tax loss harvesting. So if you're a if you're an investor who really cares about Minimizing your taxes, that could be really important. Uh, another piece is what we call uh, you know, a tax budget. You can apply a tax budget to the portfolio. Let's say you, know, you, you rode the bull market for the last 10, 15 years or so, and you've got some built-up gains in your portfolio, and maybe that's causing some significant overweights or underweights in certain areas. That can be risky um, in terms of your portfolio's health. But it also can be a challenge to get out of those positions without triggering um, an excessive amount of taxes in the process. So what you can do is set what's called a, a tax budget and say, for example, I don't want to realize any more than $10,000 worth of taxes in a given year or $20,000, whatever the number is. You would work with your advisor to, to understand what that's what that number is and what's important to you. And then over the course of time, 
you would start to to wind down those positions more gradually. And it's not not a rip the bandaid off approach. It's much more thoughtful, much more gradual and, and easier on, on the investor to do it that way. Uh, another use case would be if you've got maybe a, a single or a, a small group of positions that have appreciated it in value to a significant extent, maybe you have uh, have held Apple stock for decades and it, all of a sudden it's become 20, 30% of your portfolio. Again, that can present some outsized risks from a diversification perspective. What this portfolio can do is, is build around some of those bigger positions and, and do what's called a completion portfolio and really help to diversify in the process. So that's a, another use case. I mentioned custom ESG previously. So really custom tailoring the portfolio to what's important to the, the investor from a ESG or maybe a, a faith-based perspective. We just did one for a, a, a client who cared a lot about Catholic values. So we were able to construct a portfolio that aligned directly with what the Catholic church is saying at this point. So sometimes it, it can be a faith-based use case. Um, another one would be, you know, what we call um, active engagement with the companies. So proxy voting, best practices. Um, a lot of times you don't really have a lot of insight into how your, your proxies are being voted by working with some of these, uh, the managers that we work with, you can have a more of a say in those proxy votes and aligning the what's being voted on with your personal values. Um, and then another one, you know, we can do security and sector restrictions. Let's say, for example, maybe someone works for a big four accounting firm and they're on a, a project and they literally, they can't invest in a certain company or a certain sector. By using the technology, you can exclude that entire sector from your opportunity set. Let's say you, you have a client who, uh, or a person who works for a big oil company, and they have so much of their personal wealth and their prospects for wealth tied to a, a single stock or a single industry. It does sometimes doesn't make sense to double up or triple up on on that within your portfolios. By by using a direct indexing approach, you can uh, potentially you know, exclude that from your portfolio. So it just allows you a lot more flexibility at the end of the day. But I think I ran through probably six or seven different use cases. It is a bit of a Swiss army knife. It doesn't, you know, there, there are certainly pros and cons with it, but it, it does tackle a lot of, of pain points for our, our clients. And uh, that's why we are continuing to see a lot of interest in it. Yeah, that's great. You you covered so much there and, and you did bring up a lot of use cases that are really applicable I mean, to me, this sounds like an example of sort of just cutting edge technology filtering down. And that's a big part of our practice is kind of marrying high, high tech with high touch. And, and a huge value driver, again, is tax efficiency. So, you know, one of the things I know is, for example, and maybe you can comment on this, we, we you know, these big swings in the market when volatility picks up. They're able to go in and do like intraday tax loss harvesting. Is that is that correct? Exactly. So every every manager uh, I mentioned a couple at the outset, they all do it a little bit differently. But big picture wise, yes, they're going in and they're proactively, um, you know, capturing those losses, and maybe they're swapping out one tech stock for another so that. You're still getting the exposure at the portfolio level that you'd like. You're not running a follow of the wash sale rules, which is an important factor. 
but you're also capturing that tax asset as well that you can use. Yeah, so this this is a really, really great evolution. And you brought up so many use cases. Of course, low basis appreciated stock. We see it a lot. Things like Apple, Honeywell, maybe someone's working for a regional bank in the area. These are all folks we work with. You, you brought up other things, big four accounting firm. I have a client there and there. Yeah, you're right. There's some restrictions. Uh, introduction from Texas recently. Um I believe it was like Islamic values based, but, you know, no meat in there, no firearms, couldn't even have financials and things that generated interest. So so the ability to customize that, that is amazing. Um, implementation wise, is there are there minimums for clients that would need would want to put this strategy in place or how does that work from a pragmatic standpoint? Again, it'll it'll vary a little bit based on which solution is best, but the minimums typically start around a hundred thousand for a, a pretty um, commonly used index like the S and P five hundred or something like that. If you wanted to get more granular, more esoteric, the minimums could go a little bit higher. But that's really what we're seeing on the ground here. Okay, and um, bouncing around a little bit, I I did see a table which I I don't know if I have it. Maybe we could get in the show notes if I can share it with Patrice. But it sort of compared mutual funds, you know, ETFs, direct indexing on all these um, all these things that it can do. It's been an evolution from mutual funds to ETFs to direct indexing. And um, it just, you know, you'd see on the direct indexing, it checks a lot more of the boxes, especially around tax advantage investing, tax efficient investing. Um, that's a huge driver of what we do in our practice and how we add value. Um, and it's super important to a lot of folks that very few of us say we, that's not important, even if they're not super high income earners, or we, we want you to be less tax efficient. Not sure if you have any comments around that comparison, why between those, those strategies, but just putting it out there. Yeah, we, we certainly see the value in, in different vehicle types from mutual funds to ETFs to individual stocks, closed end funds, you name it. There's certainly pros and cons. I think there's a, a time and, and a place for, for an active mutual fund in a portfolio. But for people that really care about tax management, you know, I don't think anyone's going to argue that mutual funds are the most tax efficient vehicles out there. They're just simply not. ETFs are are more tax efficient just by by nature of how they're constructed and how they operate. But then, you know, as I was, I was mentioning a few moments ago with, with direct indexing, you can actually supercharge that further by owning the underlying stocks to a greater degree and taking advantage of the fluctuations under the hood that you normally wouldn't see. If you own an S&P 500 ETF, maybe it goes up a couple percent or down a couple percent a day, but within those 500 stocks, there's a lot of movement. So uh, direct indexing allows allows you to take further advantage of things from a tax perspective. Right, right. And I heard about another really great scenario. We haven't applied it yet, but if someone has a future taxable liquidity event, maybe they sell a company or there's a big capital gain coming down the line, they can start to accumulate or bank you know, bank some losses or uh, to offset that future event. Is that one you've encountered or or considered? I'm I'm just curious. Yeah, absolutely. You could you could certainly um, you know take advantage of 
lost carry forwards and use them at a at a future date. You know, there's different market environments that are better or worse for tax loss harvesting. So if you think about, you know, what do we experience over the long term? You know, thankfully, markets generally go up. Of course, there's no guarantee of that, but we we believe that with improvements in productivity and you know the world generally gets better you, the market's going to go up over the course of time um but that's not the case as we know very well <laughs> last year um yeah and and in different areas of the, of the world you know ask a, a japanese investor how things went for the last several right. decades like they had a pretty flat market so a choppy market is really good for tax loss harvesting and, and generating those sorts of 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 losses that you can bank for the future and, and carry forwards a declining market's really good for tax loss harvesting. Um, but if you get a, a market that just takes off, there's, you know, your tax loss harvesting opportunities tend to go away pretty quickly. Um, so th- th- certainly there are different market environments where it works better or worse. Yeah. Right. But, but there's so many pluses here with, with respect to, you know, customization or the ability to add values, but also have it be tax efficient. Um, you know, we've, we've dealt with these low cost basis, highly appreciated positions that are much too large a percentage of a, of a normal portfolio, but there they are in that position, you know, for years. And there, there was a pretty good tool set of things, but this, this feels like a next level type strategy to me in the toolkit. Um, and have have you been adopting it a lot? Or are we bringing this? Are you seeing it brought in and used quite a bit? Or is it so new that um, you know how many are we at the early adoption stage? Or is this up and running and people are using it right? You know, on a regular basis. I would say it, it varies a little bit, but uh, I think we've got some good adoption since we've started using it more heavily a, a couple of years ago. Um, it, I would say it is the, the fastest growing in terms of, you know, in percentage terms. So I think we're starting to see more and more adoption relative to more traditional, uh, types of portfolio management. Right. And, and just so folks understand, we, we can help walk you through this. If this applies, we're reaching out to clients where it's applicable, all those strategies that those firms, those big firms saw and spent probably spent good money to bring the technology, we can access most of those through our platform. So Sam researches those platforms, uh, figures out what's optimal. We reach agreements. We have access to those as an independent, um, you know, financial advisor and fiduciary. Is that is that a accurate way of presenting? How this that's, this works here? <laughs> I I, tr- I truly believe that's one of our biggest value adds is monitoring the investment universe, understanding what's out there, and then bringing what we believe is the, the best of the best to our clients, and our, our advisors. That's great, and I love how this dovetails with our last conversation on you know values based ESG, environmental, social governance. All those values, those can be brought in in a tax-efficient way. I really have yet to meet anyone who who objects or their values are against uh, saving on taxes. So um, not sure if you've encountered such an individual, but um, this is amazing. We, we just wanted to let folks know this is out there. We're thinking about it. It's, you know, I, I, I think these do-it-yourselfers, 
might not be aware that this exists. I could almost guarantee they aren't aware. Um, what else? Any other thoughts, uh, scenarios, just just sort of words of wisdom or things you want to impart about this strategy? But we, we could definitely help and we can bring Sam on to client conversations on a call, on Zoom, et cetera, if, if we're ferreting this out. But Sam, I'll, I'll put it back to you to see if you have any other thoughts or wisdom to share on this front. Yeah, I just want to I want to highlight the um, the flexibility of the strategy. Again, I'm, I'm I mentioned it as a, a Swiss Army knife of sorts. Of course, it's it's not the cure for all that ails, but it is a really good tool in the toolkit. So, tax management is critical. It's one of the real areas where where we can add add value. But tax loss harvesting sometimes isn't the most important thing. Let's say someone loses their job and they they find themselves in a lower tax bracket temporarily, maybe that's a good time to actually realize some gains in a portfolio. The The software and the technology can also do that. So uh, that's just a, you know, we talk about tax loss harvesting all the time because people want to minimize their taxes. But as an advisor, we can see the big picture. We can see where someone sits from a, a, a tax bracket perspective in any given year and based on their goals and expectations and where they might sit in the future, we can have an open and honest conversation about what they might want to do today. Um, so I think that's one of the benefits. And then also, we again, we're talking about taxes, but I've seen some of this, some of these sorts of strategies being implemented in IRA accounts for, mm. for uh, from an ESG perspective or just from a customization mm. perspective. And in, in, in those cases, we would turn off the tax loss harvesting doesn't make any sense in that in those cases. But just because we're talking about taxes doesn't necessarily mean you can't do this sort of thing in an IRA as well. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. And I really love the analogy to the Swiss Army knife. You know, that it's such a useful tool. It's got all these different, um, you know, tools or modalities. Doesn't mean you always use it, but if you own that Swiss Army knife, you're you're going to get a lot of uses <laughs> over the lifetime, and it's a pretty pretty inexpensive way to have access to a lot of tools. And so, so I love that. Um, also, kind of a shout out to the our integrated professionals, CPAs maybe tax attorneys, things like that, who may be listening where we coordinate with, they should know this is out there. This is a tool and a strategy. Um, and we should be integrated on that process with, with clients and their other tax, you know, or, or legal advisors, et cetera. So that's a great discussion. I love it. And it just integrates so well. And you're bringing up the, you know, use in IRAs, right? So it might not be for tax, but, but from the customization, and the exclusion of things, um, really powerful. So thanks again, Sam. This is, this is great. Um, you know, we've, we've had you on three podcasts. We started with a basic introduction of our whole research. We went deep into ESG. Now we're talking about direct indexing. I could definitely, uh, see us, uh, bringing on some other topics. So I'll let you have any last words if you like, but, uh, just really want to thank you for, uh, sharing your wisdom on this and we're we're ready to um, work with anyone who who might be interested or find this a benefit and have some discussions about how it might benefit them yeah, i certainly appreciate the opportunity rob if you'd like to reach out to me i can be tracked down by all the normal means uh, you can simply email me r 
Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S-S at S-E-I-A.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can do a web search and, um, you know, find my office, give a call and, and get scheduled for some time. But I'm reachable if anyone has any further questions or, or wants to discuss. Thank you for listening to the Millionaire Next Door podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors or Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.